Welcome to Good Girls Talk About Sex. I am sex and intimacy coach Leah Carey, and this is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. Hey, friends. Welcome to our third episode where you get to listen in on a coaching session. Today, I'll be talking with Cindy. She's married and the mother of one young child. She and her husband are navigating trying to get pregnant during the pandemic, and they both have low libidos. Now, there are lots of different types of coaching sessions because there are lots of different types of clients. For instance, the last couple of coaching sessions you heard with Caitlin, she's the type of client who just wants to learn. Her sessions were kind of like fact-finding missions. Cindy is the type of client who really has all of her own answers inside her. She just needs someone to listen while she unwinds them for herself. I can help by letting her talk everything out, providing lots of positive reinforcement and validation, and offering a few signposts along the way for things she might not have thought of yet. A third type of client I love working with is someone who's figuring out how to express themselves. With those clients, I help them figure out what they want to say, how they want to say it, and then help them practice saying it until it feels familiar coming out of their own mouths. Once they have a sense memory of saying the words and the sky not falling when they do, it gets much easier to say them to a current or potential partner. At the end of this episode, I'll give you more information about how you can work with me doing sex and intimacy coaching. There are some mentions of the holiday season in this conversation, so you should know we recorded this session at the end of December 2020. Okay, let's dive in with Cindy. Do you want to just talk a little bit about how how you got here, like how we know each other? Yeah, sure. So uh, you had offered up the group coaching session. I didn't think I was quite ready to dive into one-on-one sessions at that point, but um, uh, the group uh, sessions really appealed to me. And so that's when we got to work together last year. Um, and I loved that experience of getting to know the other women in the group. Um, and having that peer exchange, I think added a lot of value to the conversation. Excellent. Yeah. I love doing group coaching. It's one of my favorite things. (laughs) (laughs) Today, we're going to do just a one-on-one conversation so that people can hear kind of what coaching is like, because I think people hear the idea of sex coaching and think, 
I have no idea what that's going to be. Maybe she's going to make me take my clothes off. (laughs) (laughs) And first of all, no, I'm not. (laughs) But also, I just want people to hear a little bit about what a section, a session can sound like. Mm -hmm. So what are you dealing with uh, in your sex life right now? Where would you like to start today? Yeah, so... um 2020 has been quite a year. Yes, it <laughs> um, has. <laughs> and it's been, you know, I left our group uh, coaching session with a few like kind of homework assignments and things I was going to continue working on. Um, and those didn't disappear, but I definitely um, think that they kind of took another backseat in 2020 just with everything going on and so much change and um, so much added stress and anxiety. It was hard to kind of put that back at the forefront. Um which I think when, when I came into the group's coaching session with you was, um, you know, I, I have a two and a half year old daughter now. Um, so at the time she was just over a year old. I was like just getting back into my body sort of thing, like after pregnancy and postpartum and breastfeeding and all that. So it felt like a good time to kind of, you know, really focus on, on this. And, um, and then, yeah, and then 2020. And <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, it's not something that's been at the forefront, but I think um, this year um, we've gotten, we decided we wanted to try to grow our family despite the fact that there's a pandemic and it's kind of scary and unpredictable. And, um, sure. but we, we don't want to wait forever to have another child. We both are in agreement that we want to give our daughter a sibling. Um, and so this year we, we, we did put it off a little bit, but we decided we wanted to start trying for another baby in the summer. And so that has been a different experience from our first time getting pregnant. Um, and it's taken a little bit longer and I think it's, um, added, it's added a a new layer, a new dynamic to our sexual relationship because, um, as hard as I try not to think about it and I try not, I try to put my type anus aside and get off of my (laughs) fertility app and stop thinking about what day it is and what cycle number, what cycle day I'm on and all that. It's, it's next to impossible to completely put that inside aside. Um, and so that's kind of what I've been trying to do is try to remember the things that we started working on last year and, um, not let that get overcome by the, you know, wanting to get pregnant and trying to conceive thing. Um, but yeah, it's added a new, new complication. You know, I, it, it strikes me that the whole like tracking your cycle and the app and all of that is a little bit of control mm-hmm. during a time when it feels like almost everything is outside our control. Yeah. And so while it's maybe not ideal in terms of just sort of letting yourself go and, and get into the mood with sex and pregnancy and all of that. I can kind of understand why your brain would sort of pick up this thing that's like, oh, I can track things yeah. and I can, I can really sort of figure things out mm-hmm. in a time when, dear God, everything <laughs> feels like <laughs> it's just impossible. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Are the two of you at home together a lot more than you used to be? Yes. <laughs> As of, of like a month and a half ago, uh, so I've been working from home since March. Um, but he just started working from home like a month ago, but we have our our desks sit across from each other and we are office mates (laughs) all day. (laughs) (laughs) It's just too much. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So how did the stress of the pandemic affect your sex life sort of since March? Mm -hmm. Because it does different things to different people's libidos. Some people's go 
shoots way up, other people's depresses, some people stay exactly the same. Where did each of yours fall? Um, I think in the beginning, I feel like his, I don't think really changed too much. For me, I think it plummeted. It was like, I was just so tired and overwhelmed all the time. Like I just didn't even have the space to think about that. Like it just, I don't know, like my body was doing a lot of things, like trying to like think like conserve its energy almost of like just trying to get through the day um, and, you know, survive one day, like one day at a time. And having uh, my daughter has been home first, we sent her back to daycare for a couple months over the summer. Um, but then there was a COVID outbreak. So now she's been home with both of us trying to work and it's just, it's been a lot. So yeah, yeah, I think, um, for me in the beginning, it definitely plummeted. Um, but we, I I guess some helpful background, we've never really been, uh, both of us, I think our libidos are relatively low, maybe compared to Mm -hmm. other people. Um, you know, we're not the kind of couple that has sex like three or four times a week or what, or even even weekly. It's like, yeah. but we both, I think we kind of settled into that and are okay with that. Um, but yeah, it plummeted even more than that for me in the, in the beginning of the pandemic. And so I think that's, that's actually, it makes me think about um, once we moved into like the late summer, when we started thinking about trying to conceive again, I like had to turn it back on. Yeah. And like, <laughs> yeah. And so it was a very dramatic um, shift, I think. Yeah. And so how did that feel to you to have to, it sounds like you almost sort of overrode your body's natural instinct to be like, this is not of primary importance Mm -hmm. to this needs to be of primary importance in order to get the outcome. So how did that feel to you? You know, I don't know if I can even really describe it. Like, I mean, it's actually felt, I think you're right that I had to kind of overcome what, but it wasn't just, I think from in a sexual perspective that I was kind of just trying to like get through one day at a time, like my, my diet and exercise and everything have kind of fallen off too. And like, that's something that I used to be really great about. I used to exercise all the time. And I've just kind of, I don't know, I've just been kind of like muddling through in every sense. Sure. Um, yeah. And so I think in a way, trying to overcome that piece of it, of trying to, you know, we decided we wanted to conceive and get back into the, our sexual relationship a little bit more regularly. Um, kind of also kickstarted the other things that my body normally does that I was taking a break from. Like I've, okay, I, think, great. I think I've been like slowly getting back into like I'm doing more yoga and just like trying to pay attention to my body more and take care, better care of it. And um, that is something too, that you and I talked a lot about during that group session of thinking mm-hmm. about my sexual well-being and sexual health um, as part of my self-care routine. Um, yeah. And that has stayed in the back of my mind throughout all of this. So I think over the last couple of months, um, I've been getting better in all of those areas. So as you're getting into back into these things again, um, it you mentioned that the the um, need to get more involved in your sex life in order to conceive has sort of jump-started the other things. Has there been like a positive feedback loop on that, that the more you do those other things, the more interested you are in sex? Yes. And that happened last year too. And it also happened with feedback loop with him, with my husband of being- I remember that. Yeah. Like it, it was like once he saw me kind of taking better care of myself and just having a generally more positive outlook and like that was attractive to him, which I, I mean, obviously if someone is like, you know, having a good vibe and like a positive 
general aura that's attractive, you know? So, um, yeah, I can see that happening again this time. Okay, great. So where are you in terms of trying to conceive? What is your sex like when you're trying to (laughs) conceive and not just to connect? Right. So that's been really interesting because I feel like now I'm like, overcompensating of trying to make sure like, well, I don't only want to have sex when we're, when I'm in my fertile window. I'm like, we yeah. should try to make sure we do it at other times. So it's not all about that. But then that becomes part of the, well, we have to do it now because I'm not fertile. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, <laughs> so it's like everything has more pressure on it. Right. It's like, there's a time for everything to take the pressure off the other time. So then that just, it's, it's like, it's, it's really funny. And there's only so many days in the month. It's like at every time, it's like a time when we should be doing it for one reason or another. Like, <laughs> So in a, in a normal, quote unquote normal, <laughs> non-pandemic, non-reproductive sexual time, how often do you usually have sex? Probably like once a month. Okay. So if you're wanting your once a month to be also during your fertile window, are you then sort of overwhelming your system by trying to add in more sex? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm asking? Right. right. Yeah. I feel like it, 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 I think it could go both ways. I think that has happened in, in some instances where I've felt like that pressure of like, well, we just have to, because I don't want to make it all about the fertile window, blah, blah, blah. But then um, that completely takes away the purpose of having sex outside of the fertile window. But then um, in other instances, I felt like it's been a positive feedback loop of when we do start having sex more often, we want to have sex more often. Okay. And so it will have like a spell or like a month where we have more sex than normal and then we'll go on a dry spell again. But neither of us are necessarily upset about it. I just think it's like everything is so like our moods and emotions and our state of mind and everything is changing so much. It's like some days are good and some days are bad. And it's we just are kind of going with the flow when it comes to that. Yeah. And I think it's really important to acknowledge and respect that, that things are the we are living in a time of extended crisis. And because the crisis has been going on for so long, it now feels like, oh, we should just be okay with it. Like this has become our new normal. And so we should just like get over it and, and do the rest of our lives, you know, to their optimum, to our optimum. And that is just not realistic. Our brains can only handle a certain level of stress. And so, yeah, we're sort of dealing with this at a level of, quote unquote, the new normal for however much longer it goes on. But our brains are exhausted Mm -hmm. from holding us in this place of constant chaos. Uh, You know, not to mention, it's not just the pandemic. It's um, for those of us in the U.S., it, it's our political system, it's Black Lives Matter and other racial issues. Um, there, there's just murder hornets. I'm still stuck back on murder hornets. <laughs> you know, like we're living in extended crisis, and so to expect ourselves to be able to function at a quote unquote normal level is simply not realistic, but we're still trying to push ourselves and do that anyway. Yeah. So what would your sex life, what would your ideal sex life look like? If you're thinking about it simply in terms of this is what I want instead of this is what I think I should be doing. Yeah. I think um, 
you know, I think I'm getting closer, even though we still have this other layer of the trying to conceive thing happening in the background. I think um, just this year has kind of gotten me pushed me towards the going with the flow, (laughs) like you just described. I mean, like I said, I've always been very type A and I I like to have control in certain aspects. Um, But I think I've just learned to give myself some grace and not be pressured to feel like, well, we haven't had sex in two months. What's what's wrong? Like, I need to like pay more attention to that or and just be okay with the fact that that's just as long as he's okay with it too. And like, it's not causing strain on our relationship. Um, I think I'm learning to just kind of let that be and and be okay with it. Um, and so I think, I mean, it's, it's great when we get into those uh, grooves of, of having more sex than normal and we're both, and it's no, and it's no pressure. It's just, we just are, are doing it because we want to. And I think um, a big part of that is when we feel connected outside of the bedroom, which is, yeah, you know, it, being home with each other so much this year has had, you know, given its fair share of challenges, but it's actually really not been, I feel like it could have been a lot worse if with us spending so much time together. <laughs> I uh-huh. think we've actually, um, and being isolated from so many of our friends and family, I think has brought us a lot closer this year. Um, and we've really been each other's support for, through everything. And so I think we've grown our intimacy from that perspective. Um which has contributed to the being able to be a little bit more relaxed, I think, um, outside of the trying to conceive part, more relaxed um, in the bedroom. But it sounds like the trying to conceive part is a huge part of your sex life right now. Yeah, it's been a challenge. So we actually also, we, we you know, we started in the late summer or so, and then actually sit, uh, about a month and a half or th- like two months ago, we actually had a miscarriage. So we we were, thank you. We were successful. And again, I was like, oh, well here, you know, we can stop obsessing over (laughs) the calendar and all that. And, um, and then, yeah, that, that has thrown a wrench in things, but, um, so again, that was also hard getting back into our sexual activity after that, because there's now a whole nother physical thing, just like postpartum. It was very similar. How long did you give yourself? Um, so we, they'd say to, um, you know, you should wait an entire cycle before you try to get pregnant again. I think we had sex one time in between there. Um, but we, you know, we, we use the pull out method because they, you don't want to get pregnant before the, the, uh, your first period. So, um, but again, it's like, that was always in the back of my mind, like this, like, well, no, we don't want to get pregnant right now. So we have to pay attention to that. And I know that's just, you know, reality. Um, you have to think about birth control and safety and all those things. And, um, but, um, since then, so after I, since I've gotten my, um, period back and my cycle seems to have regulated, things have been a lot more relaxed. And I think it's just because after that experience, I'm, I'm trying to take the, when it happens, it happens approach and not try to force it and thinking that if it does take a little bit longer, um, it's, it's just more time for us to, to heal emotionally too, and just be ready for it when it does happen. Um, and if I can get the COVID vaccine before I get pregnant, that would also be great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so then that gives you a little bit of a buffer because that's not going to happen. Right. I've got a few months (laughs) where, you know, maybe now I'm like, maybe we should just wait. So it's, there's so many different variables, um, 
But I think um, going through what we've been through in 2020 in general, and then having the experience of the miscarriage, I think um, has brought us a lot closer. And um, but it's definitely been some mental gymnastics to try to, you know, tease those things out and and still enjoy sex for what it is um, with all of those things happening. Friends, if you love these conversations, I would love your help to keep them going. There are three ways you can participate. Two are free, and one is for listeners who've got a few extra dollars each month. Number one, take a screenshot of this episode right now and post it to your Instagram stories. Tag me in your post, and if it's public, I'll reshare and send you a personal thank you. Word of mouth is the best way to build buzz for an independent show like Good Girls Talk About Sex. And the more people listening, the healthier our collective sexual experiences will become. Number two, don't want the whole world to know you're listening to a show about sex? I get it. Perhaps you heard something in this episode that reminds you of a past conversation with a friend or something you wish your partner knew. Send them a link to this episode and a quick message about why you think they should listen. And number three, if you have the resources to support the sex positive work I do, I'd be grateful for your support at Patreon. Donating the equivalent of a fancy cup of coffee each month might not make a big difference to you, but it makes a huge difference to me. There's absolutely no contract or obligation. You can cancel at any time. Plus, I donate 10% of all proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are currently being legislated out of existence. It's easy to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. And one more thing. There is a treasure trove of additional audio at Patreon that's free to everyone. You don't even need to have a Patreon account to access them. Just go to patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex to start listening. I appreciate every one of you, whether you're a client, a patron, a social media follower, or a silent listener. I trust you to know what's right for you. Thank you for being here. Now, let's get back to the show. So what would you like to get out of this conversation? Maybe, uh, you know, I, I would m- trying to identify like a homework assignment like we did last summer in the group session. Like if there's something that's like jumping out at you or something that you think is, you know, a tangible thing that I could uh, focus in on and try to work on um, because things for me are so just like <laughs> all over the place. Um, that would be, I really enjoyed having like, specific, tangible homework assignments. Yeah, absolutely. So are you willing to give yourself the grace of a few months to stop thinking about getting pregnant until you get the vaccine? I've been thinking a lot about it. And it's on my list of things to do is to call my um, midwives and have a conversation with them about, you know, the vaccine and pregnancy and, and all of that. Um, But yeah, I just keep going back and forth between the age gap that we want between our kids. But um, yes, I think you're right. I need to like 
just give myself some grace and realize yeah. that it's not the end of the world if they're four years apart. Like, right. Be okay. <laughs> yeah. Not only is it not the end of the world, but your body may not be able to accomplish something different. Like, right. yeah, you want a certain age gap, but your body and the pandemic and all of the things are creating a situation in which that may not be the ideal. Right. Uh, or just may not be possible. Yeah. So what what do you need in order to relax your grip on that idea of the kids being a certain a certain age apart? Yeah, you know, I think um well I've talked with some friends who have kids who are those age who have those age gaps and that's yeah. super helpful and they point out all the pros of having kids who are farther apart in age. Um, so that's helpful to remember. And I've also just had to have some hard conversations with family members who are like, so when's number two coming? Like you don't want them to be, you know, you don't want them to be, you don't want her to be 18 going off to college before you have your next one. So I've, um, I've had a lot of, uh, practice in having those types of crucial conversations with people and, um, saying, you know, this is a boundary, like, please don't talk about this right now. Like, um, so I've, I feel like, I feel pretty accomplished that I, that I did that and that I spoke up and said those things to those people because it just had to be said. Good um, job. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> um, that's the, some of your communication skills <laughs> coming through <laughs> in a completely different application, but still yeah. very, um, you know, a lot of utility there. So um, I think I just need to maybe try to refocus on the things that I started last summer of focusing on my self-care and thinking about my sexual health and our sexual relationship as part of just taking care of myself as well as, you know, our relationship of in its whole and, um, you know, uh, completely unrelated to reproduction. Like, <laughs> yeah. just start to think of it again as, you know, and it, it's hard for me to even say that and separate those things because I've been so absorbed in that the last, you know, several months. Um, but I think that's what would probably serve us the best and just let that kind of, you know, really try to commit to the, it'll happen when it happens kind of attitude. Yeah. What I remember from um, that last session together was that um, you were sort of bewildered by this idea (laughs) that you actually for a while completely let go of the need to have sex with your husband. That's right. Um, you entirely focused on your own, um, whether it was yoga or, you know, other hobbies, you just really laser focused on your own self-care. And in the process, your sex life seemed to reorganize itself. Did, yeah. Um, I actually remember you because I just thought this was delightful. <laughs> you were like, what is this witchcraft? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was. <laughs> and so I wonder if that maybe is the direction to go in again is for you. It's not just to pull your, yourself back from the reproduction, but from your, from focus on sex entirely and really go back to that inner space because you now have an experience of knowing that going to that inner space helps to reorganize everything around you in a way that feels good to you. 
That's really true. I know that was the biggest thing that I took away from our session last year too. Um, and it was amazing how everything just kind of was like a domino effect. Yeah, exactly what it was. Um, and I think, um, like I said that, you know, so focusing in on myself has been hugely helpful for that reason. Um, but I think also focusing on, um, my relationship with my husband outside of sex, it was like, whenever I tried to address sex in the, like itself, Mm -hmm. it didn't go very well. Like it was always really, I just stumbled all over my words and like, we haven't really gotten to the point where we can communicate as well. I know it's like a top rule to not try to communicate about sex in the bedroom. (laughs) I I remember that. And I love that. (laughs) Um, But even so, I feel like it's a similar concept of when we focus on our relationship outside of the bedroom, it just is a domino effect. And even like this around the holiday season, we were so focused on, you know, creating the Christmas magic and like doing all of the the gifts and doing the Santa thing and the elf on the shelf. And we had fun together, like coming up with where to put the elf and like just silly things like that. It really just, we bonded over that so much. And then that was the domino effect. Like the last like two months or so we've, we've had more sex than normal and we have been, it's just been enjoyable and relaxing. And so I, I think you're right that that keeping an eye on that concept of almost like improving it by not ignoring it, but just like letting it kind of sit in the background. Yeah. (laughs) While I focus on these other things that kind of like, you know, orbit around it really helps. Yeah. It's like those pictures that if you look directly at them, you can't see yes. the, <laughs> the picture. But if you look at it sort of from the side of your eye, uh-huh. you, the image begins to appear. Yeah. Right. And that's not going to be true for everybody. But for you, this seems to be a pattern yeah. emerging. So you've had this, hol- you know, we're recording this at the very end of 2020. Um, so you've had this holiday season where you had some things that you could focus on together. So let's talk about January and February. What are some things that you can focus on? Uh, well, um, well, we did start our own project in the earlier in this year in March. We started started a podcast together, which has been really great, and I think um, improved our communication skills of great. just talking about different topics. So I think continuing with that and continuing our commitment to that. Um, I think will be helpful. Um, and um, aside from that, I feel like we should probably make more of an effort to be creative about sort of date nights and like the relationship recreation piece, because, you know, we haven't been to a restaurant in the whole, <laughs> I think we did go out. No, that's not true. We went out once for our anniversary. We did go out uh, and dined outdoors, but um yeah, I think we've been challenged to kind of get out of the, you know, we thought we were in a rut before the pandemic of just right. being parents who like <laughs> sit at home on the weekend and watch Netflix. Like now it's like, really? <laughs> like that's all we do. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's talk about what is it? What's a fun date night that you could organize for yourself and your husband? I have mentioned this to him before, but it has never happened. So maybe I'll try again. I would like to try cooking together. Um it's that's something that has become super monotonous for me cooking during the pandemic. So maybe something like, you know, doing a virtual cooking class or like trying to, I feel like something like that would, would be good for us. 
Yeah. And what I heard you say was that you've mentioned it to him a few times, but it hasn't happened. Well, it sounds like maybe what needs to happen is you just plan it yeah. and tell him when to show up. <laughs> yeah. That's, that'd probably be a good strategy. Yep. Yeah. Instead of asking him to be part of creating the experience that you want, create the experience that you want and invite him into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a good strategy. I think we, he and I had also, I wanted to mention this to you, had started talking more about love languages recently, uh-huh. which we never really gotten super far into. I feel like he's just kind of been like, eh, like that's, I don't know. Like he, I don't know. He thought it was witchcraft too, but like not the good kind. <laughs> 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 and, um, but we've just kind of, I feel like I finally broke the barrier around the holiday season because I really believe that his love language is gift giving or and receiving both ways. Um, so gifts. And I feel like it's, it, that's the hard one for people to admit, I feel like, because it seems selfish, like you like receiving gifts or it comes off as being materialistic sure. or something. So I've always been sensitive about trying to point it out to him, but I've known for a long time <laughs> that that's his love language. Um, so I've tried to be better about that and and recognizing that and, and being good about giving gifts to him um, in whatever form that takes. But um, and so getting him to recognize that I found it easier to tell him what my love language is, which I think is more of like the acts of service kind of uh, mm-hmm. that realm. And so I feel like this would be like that, like I could frame it as this is, and also quality time that this is, you know, I want to spend quality time together. And then you would be helping me by helping me, yep. you know, think of new things to make for us and like learning a new skill or, you know, that you're learning something so you can help me more in the kitchen kind of thing. So I feel like I could now is like, we just had this breakthrough about the gifts and the love languages like three days ago. So great. <laughs> it's a good time. I'm going to capitalize on that. <laughs> yeah. And you are also giving him the gift of not having to try to figure you out. You're saying, here's what I want. Here's how it's going to happen. Are you in? Mm-hmm. He gets to buy into it, which is in itself a gift of you saying, here's the experience we're going to have. Yeah. 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 I love that. That'd be great. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Now, um, do you have ways to, does this all have to happen after your daughter is asleep? Do you have grandparents in the picture who can take her? How do you do that? Um, so we do have one grandparent who comes over during the week to watch her while we work during the day. Um, but she leaves around four o'clock. So if we're doing anything at night, like a virtual cooking class or something, it would either have to be yeah after she goes to bed um, or on a weekend during her nap or something, but yeah, her schedule is pretty unpredictable. It's hard not to be able to just call up a babysitter and have them come over so we could have a date night. Yeah. Could she go stay at the grandparents' house for a night? Is that something that's possible? Probably. We've never done that before. She's never slept over someone else's house, but I think it's, I think it's something we would be willing to consider. Not being a parent, I can't <laughs> make any promises or, you know, I, I hesitate to make any specific suggestions. But my guess is that the first time that you send her to stay somewhere else for a night, it's going to be a little bit stressful for you. Yeah. So I would not suggest that you make your date night that mm, night. Good call. I would suggest that you, <laughs> you know me so order, well. Yeah. <laughs> order in and watch Netflix <laughs> and good. wait for the phone to ring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then assuming that goes well and you feel a little bit more relaxed, you can do the date night the second time she goes away. 
That's a really good call. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I could totally see that happening. Yes. <laughs> so terrific. We've got um, doing a virtual cooking class. Um, and then maybe just uh, cooking dinner together. Like, do you feel like it needs to be a structured activity like a class? Or do you also want to do some more unstructured cooking time? Um, I think having it structured will be the easiest way for us to not be distracted. I think it's Perfect. especially if, if she, if our daughter is home, it's, it's yeah, the casual kind of just like cook. It's chaotic at dinner time. Let's just <laughs> okay. get it that way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it sounds like doing a cooking class is a really good, yeah, um, good idea. And if it goes well, then you can do some more. If it turns out to be something the two of you really enjoy, you can do more of them. Yeah. Because I'm sure there are lots of them, especially now. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so what are you going to do when we get off this call? How are you going to move forward with this? I'll research some virtual cooking classes, I think. Right. <laughs> I have Excellent. seen a few pop up uh, here and there, so I know that they're out there. Um, but yeah, I'm going to try to narrow it down and find one that would work at a time that we could make it work. Okay, great. And reach out to a grandparent yes. to ask if they're willing to do an overnight? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Perfect. Mm-hmm. I love it. I'm excited for yeah, you. Me too. I love that. Like we're we, to our conversations about sex. We're now talking about like a virtual cooking class, like how it's all so related, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it is. It's completely related because I think most often when people have issues with sex, it's not actually the sex is not the issue. Yes. It's, it's everything else in life around the sex and all of those issues then show up in the bedroom as the symptom, but mm-hmm. not the cause. Yep. So I can yeah. definitely see how that's been happening. Yep. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. All right. Excellent. Um, so let me know how it goes. I, I am super curious. Yeah. Find out. <laughs> and I want to know what you make. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. I'll have to send you whatever the recipe is. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> All right. Anything else before we close up for today? I'll just say thank you for inviting me to come and chat with you. It's been great to catch up and um, all the work we've done together has been really helpful. So thank you. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Cindy. Like we said, it's not unusual that a conversation about connecting in the bedroom ends up with an assignment doing something like a cooking class. For a long-term couple, what's happening outside the bedroom is almost always a significant factor in what's happening inside the bedroom. Now, I promise to give you information about working with me. And if you'd like to do coaching with me, I am available for one-on-one and couple sessions. I offer weekly video sessions and or daily coaching by text message. My favorite clients are people who are motivated to explore new realms of their sexuality. For people who are single, that might include learning how to date in person or on the apps in a way that's upfront about your wants and needs. Giving yourself permission to have fun sexual adventures without the pressure of long-term commitments. It might even be exploring your sexuality for later in life virgins or people who haven't had sex in a long time. And then for other boundary pushers, whether you're in a relationship or not, that could include dipping your toes into BDSM like we heard a couple of weeks ago with Caitlin and Chris, 
or exploring attractions to genders you hadn't previously considered, exploring consensual non-monogamy, and really anything else that's coming up for you around your sex and sexuality. Now, if you want to dip your toe in the water before diving headfirst, the PJ parties are a great way to spend a couple hours getting a sense of whether you feel safe and comfortable with me before committing to a coaching package. All of this information and more is at leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. And before we leave Cindy, I have an update for you. She's pregnant. Now, because of the previous miscarriage, she's understandably nervous, but she's near the end of the first trimester and things are going well. She and her husband did a cooking class together, and she sent me an email, and this is what it said. It was super fun and definitely the type of activity that I think will help increase our intimacy if we can keep doing things like that. However, we've only had sex a couple of times since I've been pregnant because I have irrational fears about miscarrying again, even though I know sex doesn't cause miscarriages, but it's been getting better as the pregnancy progresses. So I'd like to pipe in for a moment and say, it's so easy to judge our fears as irrational when some part of our brain knows that logically it doesn't make sense. But it's not the rational adult part of our brain that deals with our fears. It's the scared little girl part of our brain. It's the part of our brain that still believes there are monsters under the bed. And what do we do when a child cries about monsters? Do we tongue lash them, telling them their fears are irrational? No, that will only make matters worse. They'll still be scared, and they'll have an additional upset on top of that. Instead, when a child is crying about monsters under the bed, we gentle them. We turn on the lights and show them there's nothing under the bed. We remind them that they're safe. Perhaps we stay with them and hold them until they fall asleep. So to Cindy, I want to say, your fears about losing a much-desired pregnancy are not irrational. They're the result of prior lived experience and your brain being exhausted from dealing with an extended period of crisis. We spoke during this session about allowing yourself grace to pause thinking about pregnancy while other things took precedence. Now that you're pregnant, I hope you can give yourself some grace for the fact that fears will creep in, and that's nothing you need to apologize for. That's it for today. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or if you're using another podcast app, go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash goodgirls. And remember, there's a treasure trove of audio extras available for free at Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash goodgirlstalkaboutsex. While listening to those extras is free, producing this show is not. If my work is meaningful to you, and you have a few dollars to support it each month, I will gratefully accept your patronage at Patreon. I donate 10% of all Patreon proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States 
to access reproductive services that are increasingly difficult to obtain. Find out more and become a community member at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. Show notes and transcripts for this episode are at goodgirlstalk.com. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Good Girls Talk for more sex positive content. If you have a question or comment about anything you've heard on the show, call and leave a message at 720-GOOD-SEX. Good Girls Talk About Sex is produced by me, Leah Carey, and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Lara O'Connor and Maria Franco. Transcripts are produced by Jan Asiello. Before we go, I want to remind you that the things you may have heard about your sexuality aren't true. You are worthy. You are desirable. You are not broken. As your sex and intimacy coach, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. To set up your free discovery call, go to leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. Until next time, here's to your better sex life.